Welcome to The Top, the podcast that provides you with what you need to succeed in the real estate world. Brought to you by the Collin County Association of Realtors. Here comes the man who has toured Joint Chiefs of Staff, launched nuclear missiles, and reported to Ross Perot. CCAR's 2020 president, David Long, and communications extraordinaire, Jonna Fernandez, CCAR Chief Operating Officer. Hey, David. Hey, Jonna. How are you doing today? Doing well. Welcome to the top. It's good to be here, even though we're sitting quite a distance apart. Yes, we're still doing our part to slow the spread of COVID-19. We're well over 10 feet apart, and our guests continue to join us by phone. It's kind of bizarre how quickly we've all adapted to this new normal, and I wonder how the separation has affected our communication skills. Yeah, in some ways, it's good to slow down and discuss how we can improve our communication skills and build stronger relationships with our clients during this period. You're right, David, and that's exactly what we're going to do today with guest Jimmy Campbell. Jimmy has served as a skilled hostage negotiator and trainer and has relied on body language and employed strategic communication tactics to save lives. In retirement, he uses his hostage and crisis communication skills to execute exceptional customer service and build trust with guests at the retreat center he and his wife own and operate. Because of their exceptional customer service, their retreat center is one of the most successful in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, Jimmy, this really seems like a strange transition from hostage negotiator and trainer to customer service ninja. How does that work? Well, David, hey, thanks for having me. Well, honestly, it goes all the way back when I was when I was a young when I was a kid. Basically, started selling cars, and I started getting sales training. This is you know thirty years ago, and then uh, you know how to build a rapport, you know how to listen to the client, basically how to sell a car, how to sell, how to have increase my influence, increase my persuasion abilities. And then some years later, I went to work for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and about a year into it, I was selected as a hostage negotiator. Which meant, which meant that I was going to get a lot of training. Well, one of the first things I realized when I was getting the training was that training really wasn't that far removed from the sales training that I was getting. And then so basically I spent a year, I spent a career, 25 years at a real prison, uh, trying to increase my persuasion ability, increase my influence ability. Uh, I was always amazed that people that didn't look to me like they could have influence, but yet they were. And they had they had success, and then people who I looked like they should have success didn't have success, and it, it just it comes down to communication. And anyway, to keep it short, crisis communication training is not that far removed from sales training. Okay. What I did learn though in crisis communication training, what there are, there are actually techniques you can use to more quickly build a, a rapport, more quickly build a trusting rapport. And if you use those techniques in sales, bottom line is you just increase your efficiency. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see the transition, and it does make sense. I know you've created courses that trains realtors on how to communicate with clients to close more deals. I think you've taught a couple of those courses here at CCAR. Have you noticed any trends or common mistakes that realtors make? Have I noticed any trends? Now, Sandra and I, we've actually worked with several hundred realtors in the last six or seven months. We've probably given about 60 classes, actually. And, you know, the most class sizes are between 15 and 20. Here's what we've noticed. Here's a negative trend that I've noticed. 
when I go into a room train 15 or 20 realtors, this is a negative trend. It seems like a lot of the realtors fail to maintain an appearance that indicates that they're successful, professional, and engaged. People believe their eyes more than their ears. And what I mean by that is after I've spent two or three hours with these real estate agents, after we leave the class, my wife and I will say, if we were going to sell our property today, which of those realtors would we go talk to? And there's always two or three realtors that stood out. There was something about them. There was something about the way they carried themselves, something about the way they spoke. They looked professional. They looked engaged. And keep in mind, we don't know any of the people, really. We're just sitting there looking at them. But when you can leave a room with 20 people in it, and both of you agree that there's two or three people in that room that you want to talk to, that means there's something going on. A lot of them, my impression is that they don't understand that every time they go out in public, every time they're in a networking event, every time they're around people that don't know them, they need to look like they're engaged and look professional because you don't waste chance, you don't waste any of your time. Another thing I've noticed is a lot of realtors they spend a lot of time talking and trying to convince me and everyone else how they're different. And what they generally say is they really care about their clients, that they care more about their clients and their personal feelings than they actually do to sell. They're trying to show empathy. But what's interesting about that is everyone else is saying the exact same thing, then there's really nothing different about that. Here's what I would say. They need to say it less and show it more. They need to ask better questions. From a mental standpoint, they need to engage the client where the client is where you think they should be less talking and more showing. So it sounds like it's more about like truly listening to the words that are coming out of your clients' mouths and, and what you do with that information. You know, the whole, the whole trick of this communication, these communication techniques that I teach are how do you gain information? Because the bottom line is you need to gain information. You need to do your job and just simple things like this. If you ask somebody, why are you looking in this area? Why do you want this? If you ask somebody why, it kind of puts them on the defensive. They might, it's a real subtle thing. If I ask you why you're doing this show, internally you're thinking, well, who are you to be asking me why? But if you ask somebody a question like this, well, how's this show going to look? Or how's this property going to look once you get your kids in it? If we get what we're looking for today, what do you think your family reaction will be? If you ask how and you ask what, what happens is people stop and reflect and they'll tell you a story. They'll tell you how it's going to look. And they'll tell you what it's going to mean to everybody. And while they're telling you a story, they're actually giving you the information you're going to need to do your job later on. In other words, don't ask people why because it's on the defensive. Ask them what they're thinking, how it's going to look. Kind of interesting things how that, how that works. Absolutely. So, Jimmy, you had mentioned a little earlier about um, the classes you teach and, and looking at when you come into the room, the realtors that are sitting there and those, you know, based on appearance and how they choose to carry themselves, those that seem to convey more authority than others. So how can a new agent establish authority? Here's how you can establish. You know, there's two different things. One, on your appearance. One, if you're sitting in a room full of 20 people, this is more common with women. Here's what women will tend to do. They'll stand to sit at the table 
can keep their hands underneath the table. And if you look around the room, there are some people that have their hands on top of the table, maybe their hands are clasped together. When you look at that, when you look across the room, what you see is you see the people whose hands are showing, they look more engaged. That's a simple thing. Now, if you're trying to establish your authority with a new client, say you're a new agent and you, you know, you say you've worked in the Dallas area, you've lived in the Dallas area for 25 years and now you decide to start selling homes. When you meet with that client, what people tend to do is they'll say something like, you know, I've lived in Dallas for 25 years. And I've learned a lot about it and I've learned this. Well, frankly, the client doesn't care where you live. It's human nature to want to talk to the boss. It's human nature to want to talk to somebody who actually knows what they're doing, who has uh, the ability to make decisions based on their experience. So if you're a new agent, you don't have that. So what you do if you're a new agent, as soon as you start talking to the client, you say things like this. Before I left the office this morning, I talked to the team leader, and he said to be sure and show you these particular areas. We also discussed with some of the other realtors, and they said to make sure that you, uh, you know, look at, take these things into consideration. Also, the team said that if we have any questions along the way, you know, they've got they've got 20 years of experience selling homes in this specific area. They said if we have any questions, to get with them. Okay, what you just did was, instead of talking about your experience, which you don't have, you start talking about your team's experience. And your clients, it kind of relieves their mind. They stop worrying about judging you because they have a little bit of information about you. You've kind of settled their nerves. You're not talking about your experience, but you let them know that you have experience behind you. And it really goes a long way. If you don't have authority, you somebody else's authority. Very good, very good. Based on what you said, I can almost answer your next question, where you're going, but when does the negotiation process start? Okay, that's always a really fun one. The negotiation with the other party actually begins on your first interaction you have with your client. You know, the quicker you establish professional and trusting rapport, the sooner your client learns they can trust you and that they can discuss their needs with you, etc. That way, the better it is when you actually start when you finally get to the point a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, when you start discussing a negotiation strategy, they already feel like they trust you. It goes much easier. you got to keep in mind with every encounter, you need to keep the end game in mind. Not the final sell necessarily, but the fact that you had to enter into and ultimately be successful with the negotiation strategy. Your clients have to feel along the whole way that you're a person of trust and that you have their best interest in mind. The solution is to avoid any problems you're going to have later on in negotiation by establishing that trust with your client early on. Negotiations start right away. Okay, that's fascinating. So, Jimmy, do you have any advice for building a client base while in a time of crisis? Okay, because I'm doing the same thing. First, you have to build your instincts instead of your habits. What I mean by that is you just move forward. Don't let what somebody else thinks of your idea affect your actions. You know, for example, sometimes it's a good practice not to bounce your ideas off of others. You'll have a good idea. You'll have a strategy for getting more customers, how to market, and you'll talk about it. And somebody will tell you just one little negative thing about it. And so you stop and you don't do it. Just don't ask anybody else. Trust your instincts. Trust your training. Trust what you know. Go forward with what you want to do. Take the action. And then you consider the results. And then if you have to amend it, amend it. The part of your question you said in this time of crisis, you know, how do you build 
a client base in this time of crisis. That's kind of interesting because if you if people out there and they know who they are, if they're already doing the right thing, if they're already networking, if they're making personal contacts, if they're asking for references, asking for the sale, asking you know if they're working harder than everybody else, if they're working smarter, if they're not doing things out of habit, doing things at work, they're reading, they're training, they're learning. You, know, you treat every personal encounter like an opportunity, then you really won't have to change that much. In the time of crisis, if you're not doing these things, now's the time to start those habits. I promise right now that somebody's working harder than you are. They're working harder than I am. Here's an example. If you have asked me a year, two years ago, if I was the hardest worker in the room, I'd have told you, yeah, I work harder than anybody else. I'll find 20 or 30 leads a day. I'll send emails. I'll make phone calls. What's interesting about that is, you know, the cold calls are kind of hard to do. Then I read a job application for a different position, just randomly came across it. And the person who was applying for that job had to understand that they were going to make 200 cold phone calls a day while maintaining a positive attitude. And basically, it kind of put me in perspective because I realized it was me just making 15, 20, 30 new contacts a day. You know, four four days out of five, and even though I considered that hard work, that wasn't really hard work compared to what somebody else has done. And it kind of made me realize why some people are more successful than me. I wasn't setting my standards high enough. This time of basically everybody shut down, stuck, don't want to do. Now's the time to test all your theories. These are things you've been thinking about. You just don't hold back. You get up and do it. You set time aside and do it. Again, don't let other people affect what you're going to do. I mean, not even your spouse, not your grandmother, your mom, your coworkers. If you have an idea, go for it. Try it. Do it until you've proven it's not worth your time. And then, and then do something else. Very good. Yeah, you really provided some practical strategies for me to try out myself. I, I know our listeners, I'm sure, are going to feel the same way. Yes. Thank you, Jimmy. Well, um, do you have any last pieces of advice for people out there before we let you go? Here's what I'd say. When you work on your negotiation strategies, you know, you take all this training and you learn and you, you learn how to use empathy. You learn how to use the right words. You learn how to use the, not, the right financial strategies. Keep in mind that they're doing the same thing. And so when you're talking to somebody and say your strategy to negotiate is these empathy, is to understand, care, react to what they're doing. Keep in mind that the other party, they might be using empathy on you. And just because they're showing how much they care and showing how much they listen to you and how polite they are, and if they're doing everything right, keep in mind, they're negotiating with you too. They're, they're, they might be doing a better job than you are. So I guess my advice would be, while you're watching others, keep in mind they're watching you. You need to keep that in mind all the time. It doesn't mean anything other than just be aware of it and react accordingly. How's that sound? Sounds great. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me talk to you guys. Maybe I'll talk to you again someday. Let me know if I can help with anything. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Lana said. Thank you, Jimmy. Y'all have a good day. You too. too. Bye-bye. Some of the things that uh, Jimmy said when he talked about being in a classroom and looking at all the students and ones that are dressed nice and others that aren't dressed as nice, 
That took me back to the early days in my career when I started working for Ross Perot, an electronic data system. One of the books we were supposed to read was Dress for Success. And in those days, we had to wear a suit and tie every day, wherever we were. And of course, things are a lot more casual now, but it still behooves us to uh, dress neat and dress nice and look professional in all that we do. Absolutely. People are always watching. So for those listening, thanks for hanging out with us again. And be sure to stay up to date by subscribing to Welcome to the Top wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. And until then, don't forget to call before showing. Special thanks to our hosts, Jonna Fernandez and David Long. Our audio engineer, Garrett Holton. Outreach and guest relations manager, Kendall Crawford. Podcast administrator, Sean Offsall. And producer, Bree Westbury. Tune in next time and don't forget to enjoy your journey to the top. The statements by speakers in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of the Collin County Association of Realtors, its leadership, or its members. This podcast is not intended to give legal, financial, medical, or other advice, but simply to provide information as a springboard to further discussion and investigation.